As we go to the Word today and as I continue teaching on this subject of prayer, the freedoms that we have and that we are to have in prayer, and, and that being the case, there are hindrances and we want them removed. But God has called us into an intimate fellowship with himself, an intimate fellowship with the Godhead. And it even says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 20, that there is a new and a living way that Jesus, by his sacrifice, by his shed blood, by his body that was broken, there is now a new and a living way that Christ has consecrated for us. And God says, this is the new and living way. This is where I want you to live. This is where I want you to function from. This is the place of prayer without ceasing. So let us pray right now and believe God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that will unveil to us the reality of this place and would unveil to us how those hindrances can be removed so that we can live in this place, function from this place, and live in a continual communion fellowship with God 24 hours a day. Hallelujah. So let's just pray this right now. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we ask you to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation concerning this intimate communion fellowship that you have called us to, concerning this new and living way that we are to abide in and function from. Oh, Father, fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding concerning this matter. And to that end, we believe you are strengthening us with might by the Holy Ghost in our innermost being so that not only will we be able to comprehend, but we will be able to function from this place in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks and praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah. The anointing teaches us all things. We give you praise, Father. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Man, I even pray myself happy already. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. Praise God forevermore. Freedoms in prayer. And this is the second part of this aspect, overcoming hindrances. Now, Paul by the Spirit of God said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 13 that men ought always to pray. It says, he said, pray without ceasing. And Jesus also said by the Spirit of God in Luke 18 verse 1, men ought always to pray, never quit, never give up, but live in that communion fellowship. Peter, again, by the Spirit of God, for holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So that when we see written by Peter or written by Mark or written by, by, um, by Isaiah, it is the Spirit of God that has given that inspiration. So the Spirit of Peter by the Spirit of God says in 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, Be sober and be alert and watch unto prayer. Be sober. Be alert and live in this realm of prayer. Be in this practice, in this business. This is your life. This is your conversation. This is your profession. 
this realm of prayer. Prayer is to be more than speaking to God. It is communicating with God in that it is, a, it is not a monologue, it is a dialogue. It is an interaction with God whereby we are capturing his thoughts. We are sensing the witness of the spirit. And we, are, we have a, a focus on, 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 on receiving and getting a hold of his initiatives and then taking the action on it so that we can carry out his instructions. Prayer is all of that. But prayer is also a state of existence. It is a place where you live. And this has been my emphasis in this teaching. And so I've been defining, I've been defining this prayer as, as an intimate communion fellowship realm with God. Acts chapter 2 verse, two, 2 verse 42 tells us that the early church, that they devoted themselves constantly to this realm of prayer. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, Peter said that we cannot be absorbed in the waiting on tables, but rather we are to devote ourselves continually to this ministry of the word and to this ministry of prayer. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now this intimate fellowship and communion with God, this was the very desire of the Father. This was the very desire of God's heart from before the foundation of the world. Isaiah 43, verse 21, God says, These are the people that I have formed and created for myself, and they shall show forth my praises. It says back in Exodus 19, verse 6, that God had desired to raise us up, to raise us up as a kingdom of priests that will function in that arena. This has always been God's heart, this intimate fellowship and communion with you and I and with mankind. And so now that we are the church and we are the called out ones, we are the ones that are to fulfill this desire of his heart. But you see what happened is sin, and by definition sin is separation from God. What happened is that sin, when sin came into the world, it caused a separation. And to the extent that in the old Testament in the Old Covenant, there were great men of God, but none of the great men of God could have this intimate communion fellowship with God. God was with them, God was around them, God was for them, and God was among them, and God even came upon them, but God was never on the inside of them. There were great men like Moses and Samuel and David and, and Jeremiah and the prophets and, 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 and Nehemiah and, 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 and Ezra. And there were great men of God, even John the Baptist, whom Jesus described as the greatest of them all. But none of them were able to live in this intimate communion fellowship with God where God is living on the inside of them 24-7. Why? Because of this separation. This separation that took place by the fall. This is the reason why Jesus came to fix this permanently. By one sacrifice 
to obtain an eternal redemption and to give unto us an eternal salvation and to bring us into an eternal inheritance. This is why Jesus came, that we might have eternal life, that we might have the very life and nature of God abiding on the inside of us. He came to fix this separation. Separate the separation. Put an end to it. This is why Jesus came. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, By one man, Adam, sin, which is separation, entered into the world. And then death by sin, by that separation. And so death passed upon all men. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and have been separated from the glory of God. That is the reason why, as Jesus has come and has gone to the cross, when someone believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, they receive the free gift of righteousness so that they are no longer separated from God, but they come into that oneness with him. But that only comes, so salvation, deliverance, wholeness, this grace that brings salvation is available to all men. This grace that brings this enjoining and this oneness with God is available to all men. Because all men have come short of the glory of God. It is now available to all men because of the sacrifice of Christ. However, it only comes upon them that believe. That is why it is absolutely necessary to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because without believing on the Lord Jesus, God could never come and make his home on the inside of you. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is why the word of God says there is no other name given on the heaven whereby we must be saved. That is the reason why it says there's only one mediator between God and men, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Some might say you're being arrogant. How could you be so dogmatic? How could you say that this is the way, the only way, the only way is Christ? Well, it may seem dogmatic, but this is the only way because Jesus is the only one that has paid the price, that has bridged the gap, that has removed the separation, that makes me one to be able to be born again and to become brand new on the inside of his spirit so that God himself who is a consuming fire can take up residence on the inside of a human being hallelujah that is why the scripture says you must be born again if you're listening to this and you haven't been born again haven't been born again maybe you've been going to church maybe you've been reading your bible maybe you've been doing a whole lot of religious activities but the fact of the matter is you've never said Jesus I receive you into my heart and into my life. You've never said, Jesus, save me. You've never said, I believe that Jesus has been raised up from the dead, that he is the son of the living God, and I surrender and I yield my life to him, and I give my life to him and I receive him. If you've never done that, then I'm sorry, baby. No matter how religious you are, no matter how good works you may have, none of those things can save you. Salvation is a gift. Righteousness of God being one with him, this is a gift. This gap being removed, this separation being removed out of your life, it is a gift and it can only come to you by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. So I implore you, I beseech you, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the scripture says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that is that he that committed sin is of the devil. Because you see, the devil sinned from the beginning. The devil lives in that place of separation from God. He is the essence and the embodiment of sin. 
But then you see, for this very purpose, fixing the gap, removing the separation, dealing with this sin issue, for this very purpose, sep the separation gap and its consequences, for this very purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy, undo, loosen the works of the enemy and fix this sin separation gap. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Jesus, by his sacrifice, has put an end to that sin separation gap. That is what the angels were rejoicing about when they said, when they made that announcement in Luke 2, verse 14, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It didn't mean that there are not going to be any wars, there are not going to be conflicts, there are not going to be strife. No, no, Jesus says, I didn't come to bring that kind of peace. But the angels said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. What were they saying? They were saying because of this Emmanuel, because of this Lamb of God that is going to go to the cross and reconcile men unto God, because of the sacrifice, what will happen? There will be peace on earth, and God wouldn't have to be mad at, at anybody because the price and the penalty for sin would have been paid, and that gap would be removed, hallelujah. And whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, and will come into union and communion and fellowship and oneness with the Lord God Almighty. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Peace is available. In the world you have turmoil, but in him you have peace. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 and 2 says, For the law, having a, a, a shadow of the great things to come and not the very image of those things, they couldn't, the law could never, never, with those same sacrifices, of the blood of bulls and goats and, and they do that that those same sacrifices it they, that they offer continually year after year after year after year gallons and gallons and tons of blood and sheep and goat and animals being killed and, and all of that blood sacrifice they could never make those that approach God perfect they couldn't you see when God said God that's what God wanted but in the mind of God, this is not a blameless perfection. This perfection that he's talking about, what is it? Verse 2, for then would they not have ceased to have offered. They would have stopped making those offerings. Why? Because the worshipers, those that are approaching God, those that are coming to God, that believe that he is, the worshipers, once purged, would have had no more consciousness of sins. So you see, what was God after? God was after those that would approach him, the worshipers, to have no more consciousness of sin, to have no sense of separation. And the blood of the bulls and the goats and the tons and the gallons and the gallons and the, the gallons and the gallons and the gallons and the rivers of blood of animals and, and sheep and goat and, and, and all of that were, that were offered in the old covenant, they could never with those sacrifices that were offered year after year make the the comers there unto perfect. It could not bring the comers into a place where they're free from the consciousness of that separation. One might think, well, why do I keep making, why do I make such a big deal over the revelation of righteousness and this oneness that we have with God in Christ? Because when you accept this free gift of righteousness, what are you saying? You are accepting the fact that your sins have been removed, that you have been joined to the Lord, and you have now come into oneness with him. Hallelujah. 
So God wanted us to live in this place of no consciousness of sin, no more sense of separation, no more sense of guilt, shame. Well, why would there be guilt? Why would there be shame if those sins are forgiven and remitted and removed as far as the east is from the west? No more condemnation. No more sense of impending doom. No more sense of judgment against you for your wrongdoing because Jesus paid the price so that you can live in this place. You can live in a freedom from sin consciousness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No more sense of separation and guilt and shame and condemnation that comes with it. But that you can live in this place. Live, not live in sin consciousness. And I'll tell you something. You see, to live in this place of sin consciousness, where you're living as if you're separated from God, you're pleading for God to show up, you're pleading for the presence of the Lord, not acknowledging that he lives in the inside of you. When you live in that consciousness of separation, you are making the shed blood of Christ of none effect. You are making the shed blood of Christ of none effect. Now, why would I say that? Why would I say such a thing? You see, and you're making, when you walk in this in consciousness, you are making the blood, the sacrifice of none effect. You know, this is why I am personally sensitive and maybe even touchy when I hear Bible teachers mixing the old covenant with the new covenant and they're, and they're not aligning it properly. When there is this religious mindset and their hearts are not established by grace and the people's hearts are not being established by grace. Why? Because, you see, when you just take the old covenant and the new covenant and you mix it together and you don't read the old covenant from the mindset of the new covenant, from the finished work of Christ, what happens is that you come under a place of condemnation. And this dispensation, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, is not a dispensation of condemnation. It is a dispensation of the righteousness of God where men are coming underneath the government of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let me read a statement here. In the old covenant, the spirit of God was with them. He was among them. He was around them. He was, even, he was even on them, but he was not in them. That's the essence of Christianity, God in us. Now, you are not like your next door neighbor that is not born again. You are born anew. And you have got the very life of God, the nature of God inside of you. You are God-like. You have divinity dwelling inside of your born-again spirit. Remember when it says in 1 John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children. What is he saying? He said that's where you were born from. You proceeded from God. You are of God. You are born of God. You are born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And so God expects you and I to become conditioned in our thinking to this divine nature that is on the inside of us. God wants your thinking 
and your, 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 the conditioning of your mind and your actions and your attitudes to be in harmony with the reality of the fact that divinity lives on the inside of you. That's what Philippians 1 verse 27 is talking about when it says that you are to walk upright according to the gospel. As becometh the gospel. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God expects you and I to become conditioned to that divine nature. And this is the very purpose of renewing the mind. You see, Paul said, if any man is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. He's a new creature altogether that didn't exist before. Peter, in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, says that you are now a partaker of the divine nature. You are not like your neighbor next door if the neighbors aren't born again. Jesus said, in, and, and Jesus had this continual awareness of who he was. And the oneness that he had with God in Christ. Jesus, Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 23, I am from above and you are of this world. He says, I am not of this world. Well, he also says that you and I, when we are born again, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Say, I'm not of this world. Say, I'm born from above. I have God's divine nature. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So to receive God's forgiveness and remission of sins, when you don't recognize and acknowledge that this separation gap has been fixed, and it's removed, and you're not one with God, then what is happening is you are making the reality, you are making the fact that you are forgiven, your sins have been remitted, you are making it in vain. You are making void the very, the, the very free gift of righteousness. Isaiah 43 verse 25, God says, I have blotted out your transgressions for my own sake, and I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. Let's appropriate that. God wants you and I to honor the blood. To honor the blood. To honor the sacrifice of his son. How? By living in this place. In this reality that there is no more separation. Hebrews chapter 10 reading from verse 17 says. Their sins and their, and their lawlessness I will remember no more. For where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. And then Hebrews 10 verse 19, Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. So God wants you and I to enter into this place of the holiest of holies, into his presence through the blood, by virtue of the sacrifice, by the veil of Jesus' flesh that was stoned, and to come into this place. And he calls it a new and a living way. It's new, it is alive, and you are to live here. It's the living way. And when we live there, we are appropriating what Jesus did in his sacrifice. And we are honoring what he did. Now, you wouldn't want to knowingly not honor God, would you? You wouldn't want to knowingly not honor the blood. That is why we got to live here. 
That is why we have to live in this continual communion, intimate fellowship with God. Prayer, as I said, is not just the speaking, and, but it is where you live. It is a state of mind. It is, a, it, is, it is an atmosphere that you live in. So God wants you to live here. The truth of the matter is this. You already live here. Do you not know that the word of God says that you were raised up together with Christ and you were made to sit together with him where? In heavenly places. At the Father's right hand. In Christ. You live here. You live here. Say, I live here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24 says, being dead to sin. That means you are dead to this separation stuff. This thing has no more voice, no more authority. You are dead to sin, but what? You are alive unto righteousness. That oneness with God, by whose stripes you are healed. Healing comes with it. Amen? Say, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to separation. I live here. Now, you see, the truth, this is the truth, you live here. And this communion realm of prayer that we are talking about, now hear this, this communion realm of prayer is in, is you already have it. Oh, that is so awesome. That this intimacy, this intimate communion, oneness, fellowship with God Almighty, being in this place, living in this place, you already have it in your spirit. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing, and it includes that. Hmm. Romans chapter um, 8, verse 15 says, You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have not received a spirit of bondage so that you are to shrink back and pull back. But what? You have received a spirit of adoption, meaning you are accepted, meaning you belong here. There is no separation. You receive that spirit of adoption that cries out, Abba, Father, you are my Father. I live here. I belong here. I was born to be here. Glory to God. Galatians 4 verse 6 says, Because you are sons, God sent forth, check this out, the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Christ is in you. He is the hope of glory. Crying out, Abba, Father, you have got this intimate fellowship and this prayer realm in your spirit. You don't have to go out and find it. You don't have to sacrifice for it. You have it in your spirit. It's just a matter of functioning in it and drawing it out. Glory to God. This is your intimate communion fellowship. This is your prayer life. You've got it. Say, I got it. First Corinthians 1 verse 19 says how God had called you into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he has called you into the fellowship with himself and with the Holy Spirit, the communion of the Holy Spirit. You are brought, you are called into this and you've got it all in your spirit. Hmm. You know, I had a struggle for years with my prayer life. And, and I, if I tell you some, some of the details of it, it wasn't pleasant. But then you know what happened? 
I started saying, I mean, and I had, I've done this, I'd fasted, I've done all kinds of stuff, but I could not, I was not able to have the prayer life that I desired that I believe God wants me to have. And then I started de confessing and declaring that Jesus is my prayer life. That Jesus is my prayer life. Now, the same way it says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, that Christ is made unto you what? Wisdom. He is my wisdom. He's made unto you sanctification. He is my sanctification. He's made unto you righteousness. He is my righteousness. He's made unto you redemption. That is why divine healing and divine health is mine. And he is made unto you, Psalms 27, he is the strength of you. He is made unto you. He is made unto you. He, as he is, so are you in this world. I found out by revelation that Christ himself is the grace of God. I found out by revelation, according to John 1, verse 16 and 17, that of his fullness, I have received grace on top of grace. Therefore, it is a very easy step to recognize that Jesus himself is my prayer life. Say that with me. Say, Jesus is my prayer life. Say it again. Jesus is my prayer life. Now, you see, your head wants to look at horizontally. Your head wants to look at your behavior. Your head wants to look at what has been your history in this, in this stand, in this, in, in this arena. But if you would awake to this righteousness, if you would awake to this reality that Christ himself is your prayer life and begin to declare it and confess it and declare it and confess it and believe it and meditate on it and confess it, it will become your reality. Because that's how you plant what is in heaven on earth. When you take the seed of the word of God and you plant it in your heart and you water it and you declare it and you believe it, it springs up and it will become a tree of righteousness. It will become your experience. Hallelujah. This is reality. But these things are by faith. They're not by sight. They're not by reasoning. By reasoning, the, the, Bible, the word of God says, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God or the righteousness of God. Flesh and blood and, and, and appearances and operating from the reasoning, intellectual realm, will not bring you into this reality. But by faith, faith is the only evidence you need that proves what the word of God says is so. You don't need no appearances. You don't need nothing, no experiences, no testimonies. You don't need none of that. The word of God is the evidence of what you hope for. And it will give substance to it and cause it to become your experience. Say, Jesus is my prayer life. Come on, say it again. Say it again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you see, you have got this intimate communion fellowship with God already. Ha, ha, ha. This is eternal life that they might know me and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. My Lord. I go to speak, there's two words got crisscrossed here. <laughs> Out of somewhere between tongues and whatever else, glory. And celebration. Jesus is my prayer life. No, that doesn't mean that I've arrived. There is a lot of growing I got to do. But bless God, I'm on the way. I'm pressing for the more for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. He has said, come up hither. Now, God longs for you. 
And God yearns for you. God desires this intimate communion with you. Philippians 4 verse 1 says, Philippians 4 verse 1 says, Dearly beloved, I love and I yearn for you. You are my joy. God says you, he yearns for you. He says you are his joy. You are his delight. You are his crown, my dearly beloved. Psalms 42 verse 1, I know David was speaking and he says, um, as the deer panted after the water brooks, so my soul longed after thee. Well, I know David was speaking, but the spirit of God's heart, the spirit of God is also saying, as the deer panted after the water brooks, so my soul longs after you. Hallelujah. God loves you as if you were the only person on this planet. God loves you and would have sent his son to die for you because that's how precious you are and that's how desirable you are in his sight. Behold what manner of love. Oh, rasa kataba kataba. This prayer realm is not just words that you speak. It is an intermingling of your spirit with the very spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. An intermingling of your life. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings of eagles. They that wait upon the Lord. I do a little bit of gardening. And you know, sometimes you may have a plant. It might be a tomato plant. And that thing want to just fall over. You know what you should do? You get a stake. And you put the stake in the ground. And then you, you get some water, those ties. What do they call those things? Those ties. And you stake and you, you take that tomato plant and you Tie it to that stake, and that tomato plant will act like if it's strong, it will stand upright. Well, that's what happened. That's what it is to wait on the Lord. It's to be so interwoven with God that his life becomes your life, and his strength overtakes your weakness. His wisdom overcomes any lack of knowledge. His wisdom and his understanding becomes yours. There is a life exchange. Isaiah 30 verse, verse 18, God says, I am waiting. Mm. I am waiting for those that will wait on me that I might show myself gracious and show myself strong to them. God says, I want to be gracious to you. God says, it's my yearning desire to bless and to do all these wonderful things in your life. Oh, I want to show that I am your God. I want them to know I am your father. I am El Shaddai. But he says, and when you come into this place of being interwoven with me, waiting upon me, that's what I've been waiting for. And in this place, ah, I have, I have, I now have the liberty to be gracious to you. I now have the freedom to show myself strong in your life. This is what Jesus was talking about when he says, seek first that intimate fellowship and communion 
that righteousness and all these other things that the Gentiles and others are concerned about, man, they're just going to be added unto you. The spirit of this here is that we are not just talking about asking and speaking and begging and crying. It includes all of that. But we are talking about living in a communion, intimate, fellowship, conscious awareness of his indwelling presence. And interacting with that, in that relationship. Communion, having a share in that. Glory to God, his strength for your weakness. His wisdom and understanding for your lack thereof. This prayer realm is a birth chamber. Say birth chamber. I'm telling you, if a husband and a wife are not intimate, they're not going to give any births. This is a birth chamber. And so when we are not in this birth chamber, we are not in this intimacy. I mean, we just dash in and we dash out. You know, one of the things coming out of COVID is people getting back out to church. And people not recognizing how much they need. They're assembling together. And how much and how they've, many have lost their yearning for that intimacy, for that fellowship, for that communion with God, for being in a place with like-minded. They have lost that. And yet they will say how I love God, but yet there isn't that drawing power in operating in their life. There isn't that communion, fellowship, intimate, birth chamber experience taking place. That experience that, that is called in Psalms 110 verse 3, that, 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 that uh, what is it called? The womb of the morning. You see, it is in this place of intimacy. It is in this place that God transforms you. You know, we talk about, I want to go to some particular service where some minister that is operating in some gifts might lay his hands upon me and I might get an impartation. And I believe impartations are valid. But I'm telling you, in this intimate crucible, boom of the morning in this birth chamber place with God Almighty, there will be transformation and there will be impartation. Hallelujah. Many have lost this sense of freshness and life in their spirit. They have lost it. Why? Why? Or they may never have had it. And they're dry. They get burnt out. They're weary. God says, if you, Jesus says you're weary, come to me. Learn of me. Get yoked together with me. You're going to find a rest. He says, if you come to me and you wait upon me, I'll, I'll, I, I, you, you're going to mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not be weary. Why? Why? Why is this weariness? Why is this lack of freshness? Why is there no birds taking place? What's happening here? Ah, they haven't been in that bird chamber. We need to live in this place. Say, I live in this place. We've got to intentionally and on purpose avail ourselves and condition ourselves to live in this place. Hallelujah. Now, there are hindrances. There are hindrances to living here. Hindrances to the hearing. Because you're here for a purpose. You're here for the fellowship. You're here for the communion. But you are also here to hear. <laughs> you are also here to see as God sees. You are also here to know. God wants to talk to you. 
God wants to talk with you. The Holy Spirit, when he has come, Jesus said, he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. God wants to speak to you and speak with you. He wants you to share his thoughts with you. You see, the scripture says his thoughts are not our thoughts. They are so much higher. But you see, in that chamber, in that bird chamber and in that place, he will share his thoughts with you. I remember I heard something just as they were praising and worshiping today. And I heard as they were singing about the blood. I heard that the voice of the blood, that no one is beyond the voice of the blood. Man, you think I ever thought that before? You think I came up with that? No, he did. But I captured that thought. I remember hearing a little while ago about the blood being the authority of our prayer life. You think I came up with that? No, it was his thought that I captured. But where do you capture these thoughts? In his presence. It's when I went into his presence, then understood I. Glory to God. You invited. God says, come on in and don't leave. This is the new and living way. He says, come, come on in, baby. Come on, come on, come on, you're my child. I love you. Jesus says, I've prepared, I went to prepare this place for you, that you could be here, that you could live here. Say, I live here. <laughs> so God wants to share his thoughts with you. He wants you to hear him. But there are distractions from this world, from the flesh, from the devil. He wants you to see as he sees. He says, come up higher and I'll show you. I'll show you things to come. It says in another place, I'll sit up on the wall until I can see what he says unto me. He want to show you things to come. But then you see, reasoning and carnality and the environment and the circumstances and the pressures of life will mold you into a horizontal realm. Where you're looking at what it looks like, what it feels like, what, 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 what does Google have to say? As opposed to what has he said and what is he saying? God is saying what he's already said. <laughs> Amen? What would Jesus do? What has Jesus done? <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. So God wants us to see. God wants us to see vertically, see as he sees. Vertically, not horizontally. Psalms 103 verse 1 and 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his name. And then it goes on to say, Forget not all of his benefits. Forget not all of his benefits. In other words, what is it saying? Remember and be mindful of his benefits. And then it will go on to say he forgives your iniquity and he heals all your diseases. He forgives. But you know what? You know one of the problems that causes people, believers, to have difficulty receiving their healing? They are not mindful of his benefits. Their mind is not full of the fact that he bore my sicknesses, he carried my diseases, by his straps I were healed. Their mind is not 
full that I am a partaker of his divine nature. And the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me. Their mind is not, they're not mindful that I'm a member of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. They are not mindful of the reality of the life of Christ, that Christ is made unto them redemption. The mind is not full of that. But what's happening? The mind is full of the pain. The mind is full, is full of the doctor's report. The mind is full of the information on the horizontal. And as a result of that, they're not able to rejoice. They're not able to bless the Lord. They're not able to receive the end of their faith, even the salvation of their soul. And they're waiting for evidence on the horizontal before they can believe God. Not recognizing that faith is the evidence of what they are hoping for. Not recognizing that they don't, their faith don't need anything else than the word of God and his integrity are behind that word. When you get to the place where you know this is what God has said, therefore it is so, and I don't need any bit of evidence from anywhere else. Faith is my evidence. That's when your faith becomes genuine. And the scripture says, in 1 Peter chapter 1, reading from verse 7, you're going to have tests and trials. You're going to have reports from the horizontal. And these things come along, but they come along. They come along to, 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 to test your faith, to sort of to see is your faith genuine. You see, silver and gold goes through the fire to get rid of the impurities so that when it comes out, you got pure silver, you got pure gold. And so your faith is like that in the midst of all the tests and the trials and the pain and the discomfort and the symptoms and the doctor's report. But if your faith, you're looking on to Jesus and even though you don't see him, yet you believe and you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, then you can receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Because I only ever, my faith is so pure, it is so genuine that I believe the integrity of God's word, his characters behind his word. He has sworn and he has promised and the word of God includes the promise of God. The word of God includes the oath of God that by these immutable things where it is impossible for God to lie, my soul can come, my, my hope has a refuge, my hope has proceeds from the very presence of God and I am anchored no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what the doctor says I don't need any other evidence faith is the evidence and faith will also give it substance are you with me? glory to God, now what was that about? well you tell me Oh, I know what I was saying. <laughs> Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Forget not, but be very, 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 very mindful of all his benefits. Don't be mindful of all the horizontal stuff. Be mindful of what he has said. Receive with meekness that engrafted word. And it will deliver your soul from the torment, from the oppression, from the anxiety, from the fear, and from the carnality. And it will move you into the realm where the word is spirit and the word is 
life. Hallelujah. It will move you into that realm where it is finished. And then as it is in heaven, your faith hooked up, having the right response to what he has already said and to what he has already done will cause that word that by his stripes you were healed, it will cause that word to become valid in your life and become your experience. But the word of God will not become, is not, is not valid for you until you mix faith with it. The word of God is, it is settled in heaven, but it's not going to be settled on earth in your life until you act like it's true, believe that it's true, talk like it's true, order your conversation right. Are you with me? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, God wants you to be in this place of, of, of hearing, of seeing, and of knowing. Knowing, not after the flesh, but knowing according to the spirit. Not according to what it looks like, but according to that which is eternal. Knowing this, having the certainty of truth. 1 John 2, so 2 20 says, You have received an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. You know all things. You've got the Holy Ghost. But you see, these hindrances of hearing and seeing and, and knowing, as God would have you to, they exist. And they got to be continually overcome. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, Let us draw near how? With a true heart. In full assurance of faith. Draw near with a true heart. With full assurance of faith. The Amplified says, Come forward, draw near with a true, honest, and sincere heart in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction engendered by faith, by that leaning of the entire human personality in God, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, and having our hearts sprinkled and purified from a guilty, evil conscience and our bodies Cleansed with pure water. Let me read that in, in the King James. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts or our consciences sprinkled, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It says you can come with a true heart and full assurance of faith. You can operate in this place of a pure, total, absolute conviction. But here's what is going to be required. Your heart must be sprinkled from an evil conscience. What does that mean? You cannot have a sin consciousness. You cannot have an, a consciousness of separation, a consciousness of guilt, a consciousness of shame, a consciousness of condemnation, a consciousness of in inferiority, a consciousness of fear. You cannot have that. You've got to have a righteousness consciousness. And the blood of Christ produces that. Hebrews 9 verse 14 says that we have been purged. Glory to God. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offer themselves without spot to God, cleanse or purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God so that you're alive to God. So you can have this true heart in full assurance of faith, but number one, it requires having your conscience purged 
from every evil unbelief and everything else by the blood of Jesus. Every sin consciousness and every sense of separation. And then it also goes on to say, and having your bodies washed with pure water. Having your bodies washed with pure water. Well, what is that about? You got to have a shower. <laughs> you got to have a shower to be in this place of the full assurance of faith. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> have you ever heard about the washing of the water of the word? In John chapter 13, reading from verse 3, it says, Jesus, this was in the, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into, into his hands, and he had come from God, and he was going to go to God, he was going to go back to the Father, he arose from supper, and he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, and he girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you don't understand right now. But you will know about it after this. And then Peter said to him, you shall not, never, you are never going to wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Peter said, okay then, Lord, not just my feet only, but my hands, my head. <laughs> Go ahead, wash. <laughs> and then Jesus said to him, he who is bathed need only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. Therefore he said, who are, you are not all clean. So Jesus said, look here, Peter, you don't have, I don't have to wash, wash your whole body because you as a person, your born again spirit has been washed once by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been born again. But on a daily basis, on a constant basis, you got to keep washing your feet. You got to come to the Lord and let him wash your feet with the water of the word. Because you see, as you go through life, there are issues that happen. There are stress. There is conflicts. There is irritations. I mean, you slip up here in your speech. You slip up with your attitudes. You mess up. And things happen that will encroach you, that will bring, that, will, that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, and all of these come against you, and you've got to break yourself off of them. Because if you don't, they will hinder you. So Jesus says, you need to be clean. You're clean in your spirit, but he said you need to be clean continually. There needs to be that continual washing of the water of the word. Why? So that all of those hindrances, all of those hindrances can be removed. Those hindrances, the anxieties, the fears, the stress, the conflicts, the strife, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the, rent, the, the, the resentment, all of those issues, the negative environments, the curses that people put on your life, the curses that you put on your life because of your wrong speaking. You become snared by the word. How do you got to break all? I mean, you go through a day and you say, some, you say some very unbelieving things, and if those things come back on you, it's not good. So all those things need to be washed off, broken off of you on a very continual basis. 
by the continual washing of the water of the word. Amen? And by so doing, you can get rid of all those hindrances and you can be in this place of the full assurance of faith, having confidence, and you can live in this new and living way of this continual communion fellowship with your Father. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to get to the hindrances today, but I kind of felt that this is what the Lord wanted. So we're going to have to go back and change the title <laughs> because we didn't get into the hindrances. But what have we done? There is an anointing and there is a spirit of revelation that is being imparted. And it is this comprehension that of, of, of this intimate fellowship and communion realm that God wants you to live in. And it is in living in this realm that you are able to pray without ceasing. It is by living here that you can pray always. Not be anxious, not, get it, not, not, that, not any of that stuff, but living and always with all prayer and supplication be in this place. And in this place, the peace of God will rule your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. He will keep you in perfect peace. In this place, there's a place of rest. In this place... There is a strengthening, there's an empowering. And in this place, there is a hearing, and there's a seeing, and there's a knowing. Hallelujah. 